You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 403, Leading Through a Transition in the Acts of the Apostles. You know, leadership transitions are interesting things. You might have been promoted to take an outgoing uh, supervisor or manager's role. Uh, Whenever a pastor comes into a new church, that's transitional leadership or Um, the CEO steps down and he's replaced, that's transitional leadership, even if he's coming from within the organization. There's still a transition. Anytime we transition from one leader to the next, it's going to create some challenges. It's going to create some potential problems. And so in this podcast, I want to pull some examples from Scripture to show Um, and to give some examples and to give you some keys and some tips on how to handle transitional leadership. I've been through this myself multiple times, um, changing positions within the police department, taking over new roles, um, stepping in after good or bad leaders. That's always an interesting thing. When you step in after a really good leader, um, can you fill those shoes? Or stepping in after a bad one. That's always fascinating because um, there's this this uh, awareness that um, from the people they're wondering, are you going to be different? So, so transitional leadership is an interesting thing. There's a lot of dynamics that go into it. And we're going to be looking specifically at a couple of leaders in the early church: uh, the Apostle Peter and the Apostle James, the Lord's brother. So, qualities of a transitional leader. The very first thing that I believe a transitional leader needs, a new leader, um, someone stepping into a new role, needs is they need to be collaborative. They need to be collaborative. Can you draw people in? Can you, and we might say this another way, can you win people over. Obviously, our job as a leader is not always just to get people to like us, but things sure go better if we can win them over to our side. You know, many of the people in that organization or in your department um, or even just on your team, if you're taking over a new team, uh, many people um, really might still be coming to terms with the previous leader leaving. I've been through this multiple times in different churches where a pastor would leave and it might have been um, an unexpected thing. And and so when when the leadership changes, even those leaders who were were in charge before, um, you know, it can be a very difficult thing to come to terms with it. 
And so we need a leader who can step in and be collaborative. Now, what does that look like? Let me give you an example here in Acts 1. Now, this is a huge leadership transition. Jesus, the Son of God, has has been with these guys for, for three years. He's developed a core of 12 leaders, the apostles as we know them. One of them betrayed him, so now there's 11. But there's also other disciples. There were always more than these 12 um, that, 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 were, that were a part of what Jesus was doing. But these 12 were the, the main leaders. So after Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection, he's, he's on the earth for 40 days with the apostles and, and the disciples, preparing them for his departure, and then he leaves. And now, imagine that leadership transition. Now he's already, Jesus has already said that the apostle Peter will lead his brothers. Um, We know Peter had a bit of a crisis of faith, but he said, when you've returned, Peter, you will lead your brother. So now, after this time of Jesus leaving, um, the, the 120 believers are together in one place. So that's the 11, and then Jesus's family, and, and so, you know, around 100 other disciples are with them. So there's 120 believers together in one place. They're praying. They're trying to figure out what to do next. And it says that Peter stood up and addressed them. You know, this is so powerful because in, in a vacuum, in a, in a leadership vacuum, people are waiting. They're looking for, for some direction. And everybody's not a leader. No matter how much we wish they were, everybody's not a leader. And so when someone stands up and, and takes direction, people, people tend to gravitate towards that. So even, even as a transitional leader, you stepping into a new role, people want leadership. People want direction. Um, obviously, it can be good leadership or bad leadership, but we want uh, people are looking to be led. So Peter you know, describes what happened with, with Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus, who was one of the twelve, which, of course, that's a very different leadership dynamic, too, when one of the inner circle has betrayed, you know, the leader. But he says this, and this is from Acts 1, he says, we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time We were traveling with the Lord Jesus from the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So remember, we're talking about being collaborative here. We're talking about um, getting people to kind of join with what you're doing. You want to get people working together again. And so Peter says that we need to choose a replacement for the traitor, for Judas. Now, this is interesting because think about it a second. Jesus had been with them for 40 days after his resurrection. 40 days he had spent with the 11 and the other disciples preparing them for his departure. He could have picked a replacement for Judas, but he didn't. He left it to Peter and the others to choose a replacement. And so by doing this, Peter is getting everybody on the same page. We need to choose a replacement. Let's make this a group project. Let's find the man who 
who's going to fit in with what we're doing, um, somebody we know, somebody we can trust, and they ended up choosing uh, a man named Matthias, and he became the, the 12th apostle to take Judas's place. So collaborative leadership is a very important thing. Now, a second quality of a transitional leader is a clear vision, a clear vision. Because as we said, people want to be led, but when you take over a new role, you step up into a new position, you probably will have a different vision than your previous, um, the, the, the man or woman that you're replacing. Uh, very often that vision, especially if you're stepping into the role as a CEO or the senior leader, senior pastor or whatever, um, you know, your vision may very well be different from the person that you're uh, replacing. So what is that vision? It needs to be compelling, but it also needs to be communicated clearly. What is the roadmap to achieving it? Again, this is part of what Peter does here. Um, he leads them here in these first couple of chapters in uh, establishing where they're going to go. Jesus has told them to wait. That's been the instruction. Jesus said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Well, they didn't even know what that looked like. So, so here Peter is in this, this difficult time. He, he's giving these, these directions. They're praying. They choose a successor to Judas, but they continue to stay there and pray. And then when the Holy Spirit does fall in chapter 2, it's Peter who steps forward with a clear vision. He begins to declare uh, what this means. People are, are seeing the Holy Spirit's evidence, his activity in the lives of these new believers in Acts 2, um, in, the, in the disciples' lives. Um, they actually think these men are drunk. Peter steps up and says, no, no, they're not drunk. This is what was predicted by the prophet Joel. And so Peter very clearly lays out a vision for what is going to be taking place now that Jesus is gone. And after this message, 3,000 people come to faith. This is the, the birth of the church. Obviously, that smaller group was the, the nucleus, but now the birth of the church is... Is, is, is these 3,000 that are, that are also coming in and joining them. And so Peter lays out a very clear and compelling vision. Um, so what is this vision? It's got to be compelling. It's got to be communicated clearly, which he does. Uh, what's the roadmap to achieving it? So if you're the new leader, you're, you're, the, you're the new guy, you're the new girl, how are we going to get from where we're at now to where we want to go? My church is currently going through a building program, and our pastor has been very clear all along the way. This is how we're going to get there. And it's not just about building a building, it's about changed lives. You know, just talking about building a building, it might excite some people, but most people are looking for something more than that. And he's made it very clear, this is not about just a bigger building, it's about us being able to have more influence in our community and impact more lives. And along the way, it's not just about a bigger auditorium. It's about renovating our kids' spaces and upgrading our worship experience with new equipment. And so there's a whole lot going into it. But communicating that vision clearly 
is very powerful, but then laying out the roadmap to achieving it. What's the time frame? How long is it going to take to get there? You know, I find most of the time vision takes longer than I think it is. And that's okay. People, people understand that. There's something powerful about setting a date, but at the same time, um, you know, people will give us a little bit of grace. Now, we don't want to keep missing that time frame. We want to eventually get it right. Um, but, of course, this was difficult for us in the building program because COVID hit and threw everything off by about two years. But now we're back on, on track and, and moving in that direction. Um, communicating it, not just verbally, but maybe through emails, through social media, um, through, through one-on-one meetings with your team. How are we communicating this vision? You know, as leaders, we tend to think we've communicated the vision clearly enough. But as Andy, Standy, Andy Stanley says, communicate the vision until you're sick of hearing about it and then keep communicating it. Because people don't hear, people don't listen. You've been in church, you've been in meetings, you've been in, you've been in, in, in public settings where someone's up talking and, and you look around the room and people are, are looking at their phones. They're not paying any attention to what's being said. I send out emails and I'll say, hey, did you send that, see that email? Oh, no, I didn't see that or I saw it, didn't take time to open it. And Look, communicate, communicate, communicate. We can't communicate the vision enough. It has to be communicated. Now, if it's substantially different from the previous leader's vision, well, this is going to need some some discussion. Why are we changing things? That's always a great question to ask. People will want to know why we're changing. Why are we deviating from the direction we were going before? And you're going to have to, you know, again, communicate clearly and, and make it clear. be right back. I just wanted to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Peter and Paul in Acts. We're talking about transitional leadership from the Acts of the Apostles. Well, some of this material is actually taken from that book, uh, Peter and Paul in Acts. And in that book, we actually really spend a lot of time talking about the Apostle Paul. We spend a lot of time talking about the Apostle Peter, but we also talk about the other some of the other leaders in Acts, and we look at some of these transitional moments of leadership. And and looking at Peter and Paul, they were the two most eminent apostles in the early church. And we want to look and see how they did ministry. This is a great background, a historical background to the book of Acts. Uh, It also gives a great introduction to the Gospel of Luke because they were written by the same man, and uh, Luke, the, the doctor. So, um, it gives some great background material on both books, and then we dive in and we look specifically at the ministries of Peter and Paul. So check out Peter and Paul in Acts. Click on the link. You can read part of it, a little bit of it on uh, Amazon, and then get the buy button because this is definitely one you're going to want to have on your shelf. So we're talking about transitional leadership, leading through a transition. We talked about the need to be collaborative. We've talked about having a clear vision and communicating that vision. Now we want to talk about the third one, and that is courage. Courage. You know, when you step into a leadership role, especially if you're taking the role of a, of a good leader, maybe the previous CEO was a great 
dynamic leader. Maybe the previous supervisor or team leader was really, really good. And now you're stepping into a new role. Um, you're taking over. There could be resistance. You know, you're not doing it like we've done it before. Um, we've never done it like this before. What was wrong with the old way of doing it? And, and you know, that's a, those are things you're going to have to hear and deal with. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, actually faced this in chapter 15 of Acts. There was actually a council called the Council of Jerusalem, and there was a real interesting, <clears throat> excuse me, theological issue in Acts at the time in the early church because the, the common teaching was because Christianity was an outgrowth of Judaism, to become a Christian, you had to accept the Jewish law. The dietary laws, all the rituals. If you were a male, you had to be circumcised. It was a huge commitment. And so this was the understanding. And Paul, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, were teaching differently. They were saying, the only way we come to faith, the only way we come to Jesus is through faith. Circumcision doesn't make you become a Christian. And these, these Pharisees, these, these leaders of, of Judaism who had accepted Jesus, they said, no, 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 unless you're circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. And so they had this huge meeting, it was called the Council of Jerusalem, and they met to discuss this and to hash this out. And think about how things would have been different if these legalistic brothers had won, if we had been required to keep the law of Moses to become a Christian. I'm, I'm guessing the church would probably have remained a very small segment of Judaism. And the, the, the idea of, of salvation, Peter actually addressed this in this, at this Council on Acts. He said, we believe, Peter talking, that we're all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Now, James, who was Jesus' brother, and what's fascinating, if you look at the history here, James was not a believer during Jesus' lifetime. In fact, he was uh, antagonistic toward Jesus and his ministry. But it seems, it appears from, Acts, or from 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus appeared to James, his, his brother, his earthly brother, had the same, had the same mom, um, had, had, had appeared to James, and James was now a follower of the risen Lord Jesus. And he ultimately becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he's the one who has to make a decision here. You know, Barnabas and Paul, they're traveling all over the world, but he lives in Jerusalem with these, these, these devout Jews who believe you have to accept the law to become a Christian. And, you know, we're talking about courage. Number three here is courage. Um, what does this look like, uh, pushing forward even when there's resistance? Like we said, the, the common answer we hear, or the common question we hear, or, or statement we hear is we've never done it this way before. Well, that's what they were saying now. This is not the way we understand it. Jesus was a Jew, so he wants everybody to become Jews to accept him. And James made it clear after hearing both sides. He was collaborative. He listened to everybody. Um, listened to what everybody had to say. Listened to both sides. Listened to the, 
the Judaizers. He listened to uh, Peter. He listened to Paul and Barnabas talking about what God was doing among the non-Jews. And then he said, he, he, he kind of summarizes, and he said, you know, um, from the scriptures, it seems very clear that God's intention all along has been to save the entire world, not just the Jewish nation. And here's what he says. He says, my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. What a powerful statement. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Now, this took a lot of courage because there were people who would have been very angry with him. And ultimately, years after this, probably 20 or 30 years after this, he was put to death by these Jewish religious leaders. Uh, they finally got tired of it. They, they felt like he was a heretic, and he was eventually put to death for what he believed. But at this time, 20 or 30 years earlier, he uh, endures the criticism. He has the courage to stand up and to do what is right. And this set the stage, if you're a Christian, this set the stage for your salvation and for my salvation as well. I'm going to stop there. We've still got a few others to talk about, but I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I always like to keep these in the 15 to 20 minute range. But just a quick recap on what we've talked about today. Transitional leadership. Um, you're stepping into a new role. You need to be collaborative. You need to have a clear vision, and you've got to be courageous. Um, I'd love to hear from you. What do you think about this important topic? How have you dealt with transitional leadership? Um, got a few more things we'll talk about next week in part two of this. But I'd love to hear your comments. Go to davidspell.com, leave a question or comment in the comment section for today's post so that we can stay in touch. And while you're there, make sure you drop your email address in the box so that we can stay in touch. Well, friends, thanks for being with me, and I will see you next time on Leading